What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome back to the HQ. Welcome back to the channel. This is Big Dogs Gotta Eat, BDGE Fantasy Football. I'm Nicholas. We are joined every Tuesday by my man Noah at FB God, who is now, now he's catching up to me on Twitter followers. I might have to fucking slow down the, the clout chasing over here. We got him over a thousand followers, and if you've been uh, following along, not just him, but us on these Tuesday videos, we are going to give some draft guides away, and that will be in today's episode. I think we're going to start right out of the gate with uh, the draft guide giveaway. So if you have followed him on Twitter over the recent weeks, months, whatever, um, you were entered into the giveaway, and he's going to pick randomly from the people that did submit it. Um, if you're not already following him or myself on Twitter, do yourselves a favor and do that because we're dropping nuggets left and right on there. I mean, lately we've been pivoting towards more of uh, meme content. We are thinking about going straight memes from now on for fantasy football. I'll tell you what, the quality has not diminished. The analysis might be gone, but meme to analysis quality, right there. I'm all in on that. What do you think about the uh, the meme game so far? Oh, it's been beautiful. I've just been throwing out memes because, you know, we do a lot of analysis for these videos. So I'm like, Let's, let me just throw up a few pictures. And I put up this Frank Gore thing that I didn't even expect much out of. And all of a sudden, Dude, the thing just went crazy. As soon as I crazy. saw it, I was like, I DM'd you. I was like, this needs to go viral. <laughs> like, you're about to get that big dog bump. I hit the retweet and boom, what is it up to now? Like 500 fucking retweets or um, something? Let me see. Not that many retweets. 491 likes and 42 retweets. Let's go. See? And that's, Andy that's Holloway liked it, so. That's big. That's huge. That out there. Yeah. So uh, we're having a lot of success going down the meme avenue, which I never really thought myself to do. Honestly, dude, it's really fun. Like for a while, I was like, awesome. the people who fucking create memes and meme accounts on Instagram are so fucking weird. And then... Yesterday, I found myself doing it for like two hours, two and a half hours, just looking at memes like, how can I fuck snacks? Yeah. <laughs> after, you know? after, after you make like two of them, you're thinking so hard. Like you look at a meme, you're like, okay, what can I put it like a spin on this to make it relate to fantasy football? Like, so I, just, fun. I just stare at the ones that are like three different panels and I'm like, all right, how can I relate all three of them? And like half the time, it doesn't three, work yeah. at all. The three is tough, but once you get a really good one, you're feeling good about yourself. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm fucking smart. I'm creative. <laughs> and then you're ready to roll. So make sure you're following us on Twitter. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Big Dogs Fantasy to get all the memes. Today, we're going to be talking about Vegas odds. Vegas odds when it comes to Super Bowl odds, MVP odds, and more importantly, like player props when it comes to you know fantasy football because Vegas obviously opens up a lot of avenues for you to bet because the public always loses. So the more they open up to you guys, the more money that they're going to bring in off you guys. So they put yardages, touchdown totals for virtually every like household player name. So we're going to run through ones that we think are notable ones that we think not necessarily make an impact on fantasy football, um, but might be a little bit telling or surprising one way or another. That being said, I'm going to let Noah kind of host the rest of the show because I was, um, ill-prepared I just got back from the gym I actually just gave myself a fucking haircut and I tell you what like at the right camera angle it looks okay but if you really dive deep it starts getting fucked up in the back I've been cutting my own hair now for I don't know I'm sure why I'm going on this rant but for like four months now you know? I just wear a hat so <laughs> that's a good fucking strategy my head is not very kind uh to me wearing hats but you know as a, as like a startup business we need to cut costs the first way I thought of was like let me cut my own fucking hair and it's, I tell you what it's worked out okay. I haven't gotten a lot of, uh, I mean, actually a lot of people talk shit about my hair on the internet, but regardless, let's jump into it. Noah, tell me what we're working with today. Hit the intro.
Okay, so first off, we're going to be looking at MVP picks, and we have one today. There's going to be two in the blog post, but we're only going to discuss one so we can talk more about fantasy football later on. Um, I chose Deshaun Watson. He's currently plus 6,000, so his odds are 60 to 1. And I think this is kind of like way too low for a guy who, in his rookie year, had a 9.3% touchdown rate. And he did that coming into a brand new offense. Originally was supposed to like start behind Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler or whatever, whatever they had there. They were talking about how Bill O'Brien's like playbook was so tough. And then he comes in there and just throws like 50,000 touchdowns in like two games. He tears his ACL. He goes into next season probably a little earlier than he should have because in the beginning of the season, if you remember, against the Patriots, that game he was like throwing the ball into the ground, making terrible decisions. And there was also a game against either the Titans or the Giants where he just like, I think it was like third and long or second and long with 10 seconds left. And he just scrambled for 15 seconds, ran in front of the line, line of scrimmage, went back, threw it in the middle of the field, and the game ended. So he had a real rough start to the beginning of the year, and then he had collapsed lungs and a broken rib. But despite this, the guy still put up 26 uh, passing touchdowns, and I think he had five rushing touchdowns. And 31 isn't a bad number for a guy who was playing behind a terrible offensive line. He had Will Fuller get hurt halfway through the season. He had Kiki QT hurt halfway through the season and just like in and out throughout the whole year. Um, all he really had was DeAndre Hopkins, and I know that's like a great weapon. But when you're not getting much help all around the field, you can't really expect much. Yet he still brought the team to an 11-5 and record. And I think this year they have a really good chance of dominating, even winning the um, AFC South. And you look at the Colts, they're still a very good team. But um, just their defense and the weapons that they have returning this year, if Will Fuller gets to 100%, uh, I think he has a really good chance of winning MVP because he could put up a Cam Newton-esque season where he throws 30 touchdowns and rushes five more in. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm on board with Watson as, as a fantastic value play. I, I'd imagine if you go around the books, like I'm looking at it, I know you got that from the Action Network. Um, I'm looking on my bookie, and it's closer to plus 3,000, so half the odds, but there's still so many names in front of him. Mahomes, Breeze, Rodgers, Luck, Brady, Mayfield, Wilson, Wentz, Rivers are all in front of Deshaun Watson for MVP. But, you know, us as like fantasy players, we get really hyped about certain players, right, for their statistical output. One of the things you have to really consider when you're looking at MVPs, it's always like you always have to be on a good team, right? You don't, you don't win the MVP award if you're playing on a team that's 7-9 and nine or 6-10. and 10. So I think, one, if Watson's on the field, and that is one concern, but I think that's kind of baked into the value you get from him, right? His, the amount of hits he took, he led the NFL in, in sacks. Um, their line led the NFL in sacks allowed, but they kind of addressed it. They draft someone in the first round, um, and I think they drafted another offensive lineman within the top two rounds. Yeah, Davenport, I think his last name is. Yeah, so they're looking – they finally figured out that that was a problem for them. I'm not sure why it took them this long, but – Outside of the linemen, it's like their weapons group is phenomenal, right? It's D-Hop, it's Kiki QT, it's Will Fuller, who's coming back from the ACL, so we'll have to see. Um, but if they can really, like, put it together and everyone can stay healthy, I, the odds for him to win the MVP have to be, like, top three or four at the quarterback position. And this is a team that's going to be pretty good. I think they were – what were they last? I mean, they were a playoff team, so they were – 11-5. and 11-5, and five. yeah. So if you're a team that's going to be 11-5, and five, your quarterback is automatically basically thrown into the MVP um, discussion. If he has any sort of – good stats then you know that's that's going to boost you up to probably a top three MVP candidate I would say the biggest obstacle is just the fact that we have so many really qualified MVP candidates because I look at the Colts and I think they're going to go 11 and 5 and that means Andrew Luck's going to have an MVPS gear I look at Aaron Rodgers who their team might not be as good as as a Colts or the Chiefs but I would assume he's going to throw somewhere between you know around the 35 maybe more uh, touchdown mark so he's obviously going to be in the MVP discussion and then we have Pat Mahomes coming off his MVP year he's going to be the favorite to repeat so 
Uh, I think Watson is fantastic value play because his ceiling is is so high in this offense and and you know what they could bring. I am a little bit nervous from a fantasy perspective only because we don't know what his real durability is. Um, we don't know if this line is actually going to be any better because at the end of the day, these are just rookies and they're not like absolute studs that they took top five or top 10. So there is obviously a range of outcomes for those guys, but I do like the offense overall. Watson is in that top tier of quarterbacks for me, both in fantasy and, and real life. So I'm excited to see what he does. I don't know if I'll own him on a lot of my teams. Um, if I'm being honest, because I think I like the safety of uh, a Luck or Rodgers a little bit more. Yeah, you bring up the whole value thing, and you look at the other quarterbacks you mentioned ahead of him, like for their – they have better odds to win. It was like Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, and you name one more guy, but they're all older players. And I think they're – like if there was a year for Drew Brees to win MVP, I think it was last season, even Phil Rivers last year, they were all seen as like top five guys. I think both those guys are going to be on teams that move more towards a running attack this year, which – will kind of shine, not like shine the light on the quarterback play, which kind of takes them out of contention, which is why I like Watson. And speaking of value picks, we're giving away our first draft guide right now at a huge value of 100% off. Let me put up a little randomizer. On one, the house. On the place. On the house. There's 188 entries. We're going to go one through 188. It shows number nine, so I don't have to scroll too far. Three, four, five, six. All right. A Tallarico 11. You just won yourself a draft guide. I'll hit you up on Twitter. Tallarico. I'll, I'll hit you up on Twitter and your DMs get your email and we'll, we'll get you in there. All right, let's, let's do the second giveaway after we talk a little bit more. Um, just quickly going off your point, like, yeah, those quarterbacks who are highly touted, they're all going to be on good teams. I'd imagine all of these guys that have these high odds, you know, that are at Deshaun Watson's level or above them a little bit, like Rivers, Russell Wilson, you know, the Brady's. I think the teams will be within, you know, one or two wins of each other. And at that point, I think the tiebreaker, unless, you know, one of the teams goes like 13 and three or something, I think the tiebreaker will be the statistics. And that's where I think Watson will end up separating himself. So I really like him as a, uh, a value pick here too. Yeah. And moving into Super Bowl picks, um, we're going to have one here and there's gonna be two on the blog post. Um, I like the Seattle Seahawks at 25 to one, and that might seem like a pretty far stretch. But you remember last year heading into the season, everybody thought this team was just going to fall apart. They lost Richard Sherman. Cam Chancellor didn't play the entire year. And they, they were seemingly had no defense and even no offense because we weren't sure exactly what Chris Carson was. They spent a first-round pick on a running back, and Doug Baldwin's knee was, like, in, in shambles, you could say. And now you look at what they have on offense. We, they have a solidified running game, a much better offensive line. Their defense is a little bit weaker than it was in the past, but they still only allowed the 11th most points a game, and they did lose Earl Thomas and Frank Clark. But their first two picks this year were on those two positions. It was a D end and a safety. I'm not saying that they're going to be that caliber, but this whole team is being led by Russell Wilson, uh, Pete Carroll, and they have a crazy home field advantage. And I'm not sure that they're going to get home field uh, in the playoffs. That's going to be a pretty tough feat to accomplish. But if they win that division over the Rams and they do get home field, this is a team who we've seen make the playoffs or make the Super Bowl multiple on multiple occasions off the back of their fan base and off the back of good coaching and great quarterback play. And at, at those 25 to one odds, I, I don't hate those odds. I wouldn't put like your house on it. Um, I wouldn't, I strongly advise against that, but um, <laughs> I think that among the teams in the a NFC, they have a very good chance to go pretty far because even last year when they weren't seen as a good team, they still made it into the playoffs and they put up a decent enough fight against the Cowboys. So um, that's why I'm a little bit on the Seahawks this year. I'm 
I'm not someone that's going to buy into the Seahawks narrative too much. I think they had a great year. I think they surpassed expectations based on the way that offense was run. But if you look at the teams that ended up at the end of the playoffs, you know, those four teams, it was the, what was it? The Chiefs, the Patriots, the Rams and the, Rams and the Saints. Yeah. It's like, those are teams that are high powered offenses that have really good passing games. And it was like the perfect storm because We've been saying for years it's becoming more of a passing league. It's more of a passing league, blah, blah, blah. And uh, this was the year that all came together. And we saw the best teams were the ones who were able to effectively move their offense through, you know, their explosive passing games. And, you know, defense matters, but it clearly didn't matter that much um, to get you there. Yeah, the Patriots won the Super Bowl due to the defense, but, like, the Chiefs' defense was shitty all year. And most of those teams didn't have great defenses all year. So when I look at the Seahawks, I still think they're a little bit – like – it's not going to surprise me if they overwhelm again, right? If they end up going 10 and six, making the playoffs, making, getting a win in the playoffs. But I have a really hard time using their philosophy to really buy into that. I will pound this away. Like if, if the Colts end up busting this year and going like nine and seven, not making the playoffs and Marlon Mack sucks, I'm going to be the biggest fucking fraud of all time. But I'm looking at the odds right now on Action Network and the Colts at 15 plus 1500 right now, 15 to one odds for the Super Bowl. I think is just absurd value. Like, Luck coming into this year, now like fully ready to go as the elite quarterback that we used to know him as. The way they finished the year last year, the only thing, obviously that game against the Chiefs is something that they need to like rewire and refocus and figure out what went wrong there. But I think they reloaded on the defensive side of the ball. I think their offense was already fantastic. Continuity coming into this year again. I like, I I can't imagine them winning any less than 10 games. I really think they're going to be closer to the 12 or 13 mark. And going to be looked at as a top two, if not the best team in the NFL this year. Um, so I think them at 15 to one is fucking fantastic odds in Indy. Yeah, they have a lot more experience now on the other side of the ball because last year their defense defense was kind of led by Darius Leonard, who was a rookie. Yeah, the best like, player was a rookie. Yeah, Walker Jr. was also very young. And, you know, they bring back, I think they have uh, Pierre Desir again and Malik Cooker. So they have a young and up and coming defense. And then obviously their offense. I think this year there's a lot more known about their offense because we weren't really sure well, like what Ebron or Mac were going to do. Now we know that they're like pretty good like and almost elite amongst their position. They have an awesome offensive line. They bring in Paris Campbell. They just have playmakers all over the field, and I think on both sides of the ball, they're one of the strongest teams. I was going to put the Chargers in here, but that's a little biased, and they always kind of choke in the playoffs, so yeah. I-, I kept them out of here. I, I don't think they've improved enough to the point where I'm like, what's going to change year over year from last year to this year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm with Indy. Um, that's really all I got. All right, we're gonna move into player prop bets. So things like pl- uh, passing yards, passing touchdowns. Um, I think one that's like a lock, and I would put your house on it. But if you're living under a bridge uh, by the end of 2019, don't come crying to me. Um, <laughs> we Matt's- got we got room here at the HQ. Don't you worry. <laughs> we have Matthew Stafford's over under on passing yards is set at four thousand and a half. And I think this is just like a pure case of recency bias because ever since he's played a full 16 games, which I think was 2011, it's, it's been a long time. He's fallen below 4,000 passing yards once and below 4,200 passing yards once. And that was last season. And pretty much everything went wrong for him. And we already spoke about it like uh, in a previous video with him getting like cracked in week one. Uh, his back was like broken. Uh, Golden Tate got traded. Marvin Jones's knee was all bruised and he couldn't play towards the end of the season. They were stuck with a running back that couldn't catch on first and second downs. Now he has probably the best weapons group of his career because even those years with Calvin Johnson, their second best receiver is Brandon Pettigrew. And then like 
Nate Burleson. So they didn't really have anything. They have two legit outside receivers right now, Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, a tight end presence that they drafted number eight overall. Um, Kerryon Johnson, if he stays healthy, a guy who can catch out of the backfield. And we already touched on the Daryl Bevel like narrative about him not wanting to pass. If you look at the quarterbacks he had, it was Travaris Jackson. And when Brett Farr finally went to Minnesota, he had over 500 attempts and he was on pace. Or that whole team as a whole had 500 attempts the second year Farr was there, but he didn't play a full season. And then the last two years with Russell Wilson, he went over 500 attempts. So I'm not afraid of his volume going down all too much. Um, he's still like one of the highest volume quarterbacks last year. I think the over-under at 4,000 is just way too low right now. Yeah, we went real in-depth on, on Stafford a couple episodes back, and I'm with you there. I think – I don't want to say the narrative is being overblown, but but it's it's being overblown a little bit on the fact that, like, Stafford's just being pushed back to the four. It, it's to the point where, like, you're getting Stafford as your quarterback three behind, like, really fucking unproven players. Going around, like, Andy Dalton and Sam Darnold, and I'm a fan That's of Sam I mean. Darnold, but, like – We've seen yeah, exactly, exactly. That's what I mean. Like he's going behind Sam Darnold, and I'm like, yeah, everyone likes the upside, but it's pro- we're probably a year off before you can actually start Sam Darnold in your fantasy lineup consistently. So 4,000 yards for Matt Stafford, that's 250 passing yards a game. And Matt Stafford, you know, we've seen him so many times in his career blow up for random games with 400 plus yards and things like that. So I absolutely still think that is in, in the cards. And speaking of like weapons, right, we talked about how uh, Watson has great weapons. I would argue that Matt Stafford has better weapons in uh, – in Detroit with a healthy Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. They bring in Amendola, who's going to be a nice safety blanket. TJ Hawkinson's a red zone weapon and a seam stretcher. Heron Johnson in the backfield. They have a good pass blocking offensive line. So, um, yeah, I mean, the volume might go down a little bit. You might not be an elite fantasy producer. But uh, but 4,000 passing yards does seem super, super light. What else do we got here? Yeah, and talking about a guy with great weapons for passing touchdowns, we have Carson Wentz at 20-1. to 1. And this is a guy who, in his rookie year, he wasn't all too great. He put up kind of like a Sam Darnold-esque season. For what, leading the league in passing Leading touchdowns? the league in passing touchdowns, yeah, at 20-1. to 1. So, And then his second year, he was on pace for 41 touchdowns, and he only played 13 games. Heading into – I'll also bring up last year, I think he was on pace for 33 or 31. Yeah. But that was playing with a broken back and coming in probably a little bit too early because he, was, he hurt his knee really late in the year. I think it was like week 13 or 14, he tore his ACL. So he came back early, played injured. And now he's heading into this year with probably like the best weapons group, maybe even in the NFL. That might be a stretch, but you look at what they have in the red zone. They have Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. And then for either depth or if they want to just put them all on the field together, you got J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Dallas Goddard. Those are four big-bodied receivers who can produce in the red zone, are great at jump ball situations. And then they also bring in Deshaun Jackson, who wherever he goes, he just makes a team better. And uh, Carson Wentz has been one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. If you can connect on a few of those deep balls to Deshaun Jackson, who that's where he makes his money, I don't think leading the league and passing touchdowns is all too far of a stretch. And especially if you look at the past 10 years, the average amount of touchdowns it took to be the number one in this category. I took out Peyton Manning's and uh, Patrick Mahomes because they both went over 50. I was literally just like doing that right now in my notebook, like writing down the fucking yeah. passing touchdown leaders. And I was like, ah, let's fucking exclude Mahomes and exclude. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. If Wentz is going to do it, you're going to have to assume that it's not like an outlier of a year for another quarterback, right? We're just talking about value plays. So it's, we're not saying, oh, he's going to beat out someone who's going to throw 55 touchdowns. So we're going to hope that that doesn't happen because that's unlikely. So, yeah, we, t- we take those out. And then what's the, uh, what's the average year? Yeah, well, that's why you hired me, right? We just think on the same wavelength. But over the past 10 years, the average is 38.7. 
And I honestly don't think that's too far of a stretch with how good this offense is set to be and the weapons that he has and the fact that he was on pace for that just in his second year. And I think coming in fully healthy, he is a good chance to put up like 35. And I wouldn't be surprised if he flirts with 40, which could easily get him the lead. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, numbers right now. If you look at the past two years, right, he played 13 games and 11 games, and he's thrown for 33 touchdowns and 21 touchdowns, which is 2.25 touchdowns, passing touchdowns per game over a 16-game span. That's 36. All you, I'm sure a couple of those games he was banged up or he left early or something like that. So if we're getting a full 16 out of, out of Wentz, and for everything we know, yes, he dealt with a lot of injuries, and the injury concern is there. But he's a full go at training camp. There's no setbacks. There's no um, limitations for him. He has nothing on his knee in terms of running and stuff. So he's full go. He has the best weapons group he's ever had by far, adding Deshaun Jackson and all these pieces that they added through the, through the draft, Sanders and, and Jaws. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like he's already a player that is a high touchdown, touchdown volume player. So if you get just, you know, something breaks right, he gets a little bit luckier. And we've seen Deshaun Jackson makes every quarterback that he plays with a little bit better he could easily flirt with a 40 touchdown mark. And in a normal year, that's going to have you sit, you know, either atop the throne or maybe a number two. But again, you need a little bit of luck. Obviously, when you're betting on something that's 20 to one, you're not the favorite there, right? You need, you need a pretty good amount of luck. So um, we're just lining up the numbers here. We're finessing you with facts that you take whatever way you want to take. But I, I like one, uh, Wentz here as a passing touchdown leader, 20 to one for sure. Yeah, and speaking of luck, we've got our second winner of the draft guide. Let me, let me generate a random number. 49, just to prove it. That's way too bright, but it's 49. I'll check who it is, and we'll be right back. You got some leaky pipes I need filling? Oh yes, please enter me. I mean my home. You weren't lying. It's so wet in this kitchen. Well, I think I'm gonna change it to something a little cozier. mess down here. What have you been stuffing down here in these good old Just don't blow it over here, bro. You know this thing's a goddamn Get paid enough. Barry don't get paid. Barry O don't get paid enough for this. Ah, oh, that's so much better. This is the comfiest sweatshirt ever. Yeah, uh, you think I can touch it? You wanna touch it, Big Barry? Yeah, that's what I just said. Tell me what you think. Amazing. What is this, cashmere? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, this looks like a 50-50 kind polyester blend with the double needle stitching. Yeah, well, I bet you'd like to rip it off me, wouldn't you? What, are you crazy? Why would I want to harm such a warm, soft, beautiful sweatshirt? Where'd you get this? I must have one. Well, you can have me right now, Big Barry. Nah, just a sweatshirt is fine. Where can I get one? You can get it at BigDogFantasy.com along with four other colors. Oh, great, thanks! 
right, I get to pick you leaky pipes. Or have sex with you. Delivery for Heath Dyer? That's me. Wow, that's a that's an incredible sweatshirt. Okay, so the winner of the draft guide was originally at the real FB God, but someone fucking made a burner account. That's a farce. And then the next one was Saquon <laughs> Barkley. So unless Saquon's watching this video, I'll hit his DMs. We'll see what happens. Um, we're gonna have to skip him, and we're gonna go to da underscore Marty. So Marty, you're getting yourself a big dog's draft guide. You can dominate your draft for the price of zero dollars and zero cents. Love that. All right. Yep. Y'all will both get free access to it. Thank you for following. Noah, as we try to build his personal brand to eventually surpass Saquon Barkley, he'll be yes, sliding into your DM soon, baby. Let's fucking Hopefully. get this going. All right, now for the good stuff. This is how these odds kind of relate to fantasy football. Not the odds we just mentioned, but other odds um, that we're going to look into. So number one is if you look at the fantasy finishes of MVP winners over the past couple seasons, Mahomes finishes QB1. Brady finishes three. Just keep going back and back. The lowest finish was QB1, and then Adrian Peterson was RB1. So pretty much if you win MVP, it kind of speaks for itself that you're going to be like an elite fantasy producer. And we already spoke with Carson Wentz. He has the seventh best odds to win MVP behind guys like Breeze, um, Brady, and Phillip Rivers, guys who probably won't win MVP. And I think the fact that he has this high of odds, yet he's still being picked as QB10, just speaks volumes to how good of a value he is other than just the weapons he has and what we expect out of him. Because Vegas is like setting lines for these guys. They don't want to lose money. And they expect him to be an elite quarterback this year. Yet he's still being picked behind Drew Brees, who's the QB7 right now in fantasy football. And just with all these weapons and the offense that he's in, I think this line is telling you that you should be picking him a lot higher than 95th overall. And he could be easily like the number one quarterback by year's end. Yeah, there's no argument for me. I love Carson Wentz. Draft Carson Wentz everywhere you can where he drops the quarterback 10 or later. Let's move on to fucking David Johnstein. All right, David Johnstein, you're going to like this one because it's kind of like no, concerning. No, you're going to like it. Trust me. No, David, I'm not. David Johnson's odds to lead the league in rushing touchdowns is plus 4,000. He's 40 to 1. Kyler Murray is plus 3,300. Kyler Murray has better odds to lead the league in rushing touchdowns than David Johnson for some wild reason, which – Obviously, I something out right before this episode. I don't know if you saw it or not. I was hoping you didn't. No, there was didn't. one player in the NFL last year that had 100% of his team's goal line carries. 100% of his team's carries inside the five-yard line. Take a guess. Chase Edmonds. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> should have been the way he fucking ran last year. It was David Johnson. He had 100% of the Cardinals' rushes inside the five. Chase Edmonds did vulture a few touchdowns, but they came between the five and – or you know, from the six to 10 yard line. But uh, it was interesting to see that them have the Vegas line so low for him leading the league in touchdowns. I'm, I'm wondering, I want to find some more Vegas prop bets on one, David Johnson's overall yardage total two like the amount of points that they're going to put up three, you know, what their win loss total is and stuff. This is such a fucking intriguing storyline that I think is going to make or break people. But it's getting to the point where, you know, people are putting Kyler as like a the QB six and then Christian Kirk starting to go in the late fifth, early sixth round. 
and David Johnson, someone on Twitter literally, after I tweeted that, if you look at the thread, someone said, I'm tempted to move him up to RB2 over C-Mac. Is that a bad idea? So yeah, it's, it's like, a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, I, sorry, someone just fucking texted me. It's all good. Yeah, I think just these odds are pretty low for him to lead the league in touchdowns because just, was it three years ago? Because he was injured two years ago. He had 16 rushing touchdowns, and that's where a lot of his value came off of. But if these, like, concerns are warranted and, like, Vegas really doesn't think that their offense is as good as everybody thinks it is because it's getting so much hype, then I'm not sure if we're going to be able to rely on David Johnson to be that, like, top five RB if he's not used heavily in the passing game. Because you also look at the over-under for his yards, his rushing yards, and it's set at 1,000.5, so over-under 1,000. Um, the rushing yards? Did it yeah. want to for the receiving? Did it have that? I, I try to look for that, and that's the point I'm trying to make is, like – Probably they, – they fucking – plump up every running back's receipt. Like, they have – Le'Veon Bell's, like, total yards from scrimmage over-under is, like, 1,800 yards in Vegas. Under like, hammer the house. I'm like, the house. like, dude, that, like, never – that happens, like, once every three years. I, obviously, we saw it happen, like, recently uh, a few times, but that's such a rare thing and to think Le'Veon Bell and the Jets is going to do that. Sorry. Yeah, what did Barkley have, like, 1,900 or 2,000? Yeah, I think he had 19. And I think some like, a Kamara was, like, up there, and so was C-Mac, but regardless. Yeah, I don't think Bell's touching that. But I think what we have to do with David Johnson is because there's so much hype right now and nobody's really drafting, I think you got to look heavily into the preseason, obviously, even when he's not out in the field. Because Chase Edmonds has that three-down skill set. I want to see like how heavily they use Edmonds either out of the backfield or even move him into the slot if they do want to run that five wide. And I think if, if they're not heavily involved in the passing game and we don't see that much in the preseason, it's not like Cliff Kingsbury's going to go out there like afraid that he's showing his cards. Everybody wants to see if like what they do works. And I think if he doesn't show that he's willing to use a running back as heavily as we'd like, I'm not too confident in David Johnson being that top four or top five pick where he's kind of moving into right now, just because we saw how bad the offense was last year. And who knows a guy in his first year in the NFL, who was like never really a great coach, even in college, if this doesn't work, then we might just see David Johnson all over again. Yeah. And that's what I've been saying since the beginning of the off season. I'm like, yeah, David Johnson is, you know, exciting to think about but what if David yeah like David Johnson is this fucking year's David Johnson again you know and I'm looking no. at the, the rushing totals and uh his rookie year I mean it seems like his touchdown percentage was pretty high um he scored eight rushing touchdowns on 125 carries his rookie year which was 6.4 percent then his second year 16 rushing touchdowns on 293 carries so double the touchdowns but over double the carries and that was 5.5 percent so you're seeing a very high rate. So every one out of oh, one of every like 19 carries or so he takes for a touchdown. Last year, that shit just dipped so far down, right? It, as a DJ owner, the only thing that even saved you putting him in your lineup was the fact that he ended up scoring seven touch seven scoring touchdowns for a team that averaged like 13 points per game was semi impressive, but his touchdown rate dropped to 2.7 percent. So it like kind of slashed in half. So um, a lot of me is telling myself that that number's going to go up, right? He'll probably be around the 4 to 5% mark. What scares me is, though, like, I know that he didn't have a lot of holes, but even when he got in the open, I didn't see explosion, too. Like, in order for him to hit that rushing touchdown number, the volume has to be there. And as far as everyone getting so excited about this offense, he's not going to be able to carry the ball 300 times if they're going to be up-tempo and passing the ball, you know, fucking 40 times a game. Something's got to give. You can't have him getting, that, him getting 25 carries a game and also – getting eight targets and seven catches and everyone else catching seven, eight, nine balls a game. So um, if there's something that I'm probably leaning towards, it's him not scoring that many rushing touchdowns. He will be a big part by the goal line. Um, but overall, I mean, the volume in rushing probably can't be much higher than it was 
last year when he got 260 carries, right? Because they're going to split time, I think, between him and Chase Edmonds is going to get some work because – Yeah, and Matt Kelly, just to build up this point, Matt Kelly brought it up um, on one of his podcasts that if this is a team that wants to be this high-powered of an offense, David Johnson at like 230 pounds can't be on the field for 90% of the snaps. Chase Edmonds is going to get in there, and maybe that's on the goal line sometimes when David Johnson plays the entire drive and by the end he's a little bit gassed. He could easily steal a couple touches, and I would be surprised if he gets like five to eight touches a game, which may not seem like a lot, but that's just five to eight less that David Johnson's going to get, which takes away from his ceiling. Yeah, I'm with you. I just I just think that like the more this summer progresses, the more hype's going to be around them, and the more they're going to keep moving up draft boards, and obviously the riskier they get because at the end of the day, this is still going to be a team that wins six, maybe seven tops. Um, and how often do you want a running back on a, on a six or seven win team, you know? Yeah, not very often. But a running back I do want is Nick Chubb, who right now his odds to lead the league in rushing yards is plus 1,800, which is still the sixth highest. But you look just a month ago, uh, June 22nd, he had the second highest odds to lead the league in rushing yards at 6-1, to one, tied with Saquon Barkley right behind Zeke. Nick, let me ask you a question. What has happened since June that would warrant this line to ch- change like so greatly? Um... I'll give you a hint. Did I have to do what? Nothing. Nothing at all has happened in this situation. The only thing that I could think of is that, uh, what's his name? Kareem Hunt got in trouble like at a bar, which should just work the opposite direction. And I just, I think first off, this is kind of speaking to people's beliefs about Nick Chubb. Like you see him kind of falling down draft boards, not like too far, but he's going like the middle to late second round. I think his ADP is 22 or something. So his ADP is still like, mid-second round but I've been in drafts where he's fallen to the late second and I think this just speaks to what the public's view on him is and you know what we do around here we fade the public so if if he keeps falling down draft boards and becomes a late second round pick I'd be willing to spend an early second round pick on him so it's just becoming more and more of a value and my whole thing with Kareem Hunt is if he's if you're picking Nick Chubb in the second round you're obviously believing that he's a great talent and he's a great running back so if Kareem Hunt does end up usurping like some touches and taking over like the lead back role. That means that Nick Chubb probably already busted for you because they're not going to put a running back in 11 weeks in through the season and take over the starting guy's job. So that's like my whole view on Chubb. And I think he's just becoming a great value right now for a guy who's going to get all the goal line rushes for at least the first 10 weeks of the season on a really good offense. Yeah, I've said this. I, I said it in a video. I don't know if it was this week or last week. I think I've said it in multiple videos that Nick Chubb leading the league and rushing yards is like very 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 probable thing that will happen I mean look at his fucking carry totals last year once he took over as the starter 18 18 22 20 28 then there's a dip like 9 13 but then 20 19 it was like ridiculous right and you're not going to get like in today's in today's NFL you don't get that many running backs that handle that type of workload I mean it's like the Zeke's it's him you first of all you have to be in good game scripts in order to have that type of workload um, and you could say, like, Derrick Henry might see that this year, but how confident are you in the Titans really being that good of a team and having the game scripts good enough that he's getting, you know, 20-plus touches? So yeah, are- they, they have the defense for it, but I'm not sure their offense isn't be able to build a big enough, uh, big enough of a lead for them to be in those game scripts, whereas the Browns have a good defense, and they also have what looks to be a very high-powered offense. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously losing Zeitler is a little nerve-wracking for the offensive line, but I just think Nick Chubb is so good in his own right, and we saw what happened, like, down the stretch, and uh, wouldn't surprise me. He has that breakaway speed, too, so it's like 
on any given carry that we saw multiple times last year, he could take it 50, 60, 80 yards or whatever. And those are the type of things that help you reach, you know, the, the league leading running back or like rushing totals. So that separates you from being an 1100 yard total to maybe like 1250 yards. And that will give you the title. So I'm in on Nick Chubb because I think he's by the time Kareem Hunt steps back on the field, it's week 10. And by that time, Chubb will probably be over a thousand yards rushing, if not more. And all he has to do is kind of average what 50, 60 rushing yards a game there on out and he'll top 13, 1400 yards. And more often than not, that's good enough to lead the league. Yeah. Honestly, watching him run last year, I was like, I was so surprised how good he was because he was taken behind his own teammate, Sonny Michelle, who was like a really good runner in the NFL for the Pats. But just watching Chubb play, he's got like such a big like physique to him, but he's still so elusive. I think he was top 10 in both breakaway run percentage and uh, broken tackle. So yeah. I think he's just got the complete skill set in a good offense to easily lead the league in rushing yards. And as I said before, I think this just shows that the public is kind of fading him. Whereas I'm like all in on Chubb because even if he doesn't get those receiving totals, we saw a couple of years ago how Leonard Fournette just dominated goal line looks and he became like a top eight running back. And I think Chubb is in that very same conversation. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to the fact that people are nervous about um, Kareem Hunt. And it's just like, dude, that's so far away. And there are just one, like we're already hearing shit about him doing things outside of football that he shouldn't be doing, right? Bar fights and shit like that. I don't know what his involvement was or anything. But the fact that he's even continuing to surround himself in the area where like, that could be a problem is a problem. And who knows what happens between now and then who knows if the, like if Chubb's rolling, there's no reason for them to just be like, yep, let's put Kareem Hunt in here. And it's like, if you think, okay, so imagine week 11 comes and uh, Nick Chubb is dominating carries. He has eight games of 20 plus carries, right? What if, you know, Kareem Hunt's good enough and just usurps Duke Johnson because Duke Johnson will have a role. Let Duke Johnson get six to eight, six targets a game, five targets a game. Kareem Hunt's a good pass catcher. Just let Kareem Hunt take Duke Johnson's role maybe take a handful of carries too. That doesn't really hurt Nick Chubb. It's like, if you're nervous about Duke Johnson hurting Nick Chubb, which you shouldn't be, then you shouldn't really be that nervous about Kareem Hunt hurting Nick Chubb. Down the yeah. Over those first 10 weeks, I think he'll build a big enough cushion and like show what he's really worth in this offense to really take over that role and not even be touched by Kareem Hunt when he comes back. And you think about it, Kareem Hunt is on a one-year deal. Nick Chubb is on a rookie deal, which means he's not getting paid a lot of money unless he wants to hold out like, like Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. But they have really no ties to Kareem Hunt past this year, whereas Nick Chubb is there for the foreseeable future, and he's a good young running back. So I don't see a way, unless he gets hurt or like he's a little hobbled down the stretch, that they take him out of the game and try to not upset like their future running back, but like show that they don't have enough confidence in him where he probably wants to be out there all the time, as every running back does. Yeah, he's just going to be too good, I think, for the Browns to actually take him out of the game. So. All right, the last line, which we think, I guess we'll probably both think that this is a little telling for a quarterback, is Drew Brees' over-under on his yards this year is 4,350 and a half. And that might seem like pretty high because they like to be a little modest sometimes on these, on these lines, but that's the seventh highest line uh, amongst quarterbacks. And you think of Drew Brees, and you think of a guy who throws for 5,000 yards, which he's done five times, and a guy who leads the league in rushing yard, or passing yards, which he's done seven times, if he's not going to be at that pinnacle of like 46 to like 4,800 passing yards where he's typically at, and this offense is one that's going to probably move a little bit towards like a running attack, I don't think he's going to be as good of a quarterback for fantasy purposes as he's been in the past because he's been a high-volume passer behind a bad defense that's always either playing catch-up or has to score. And I don't think that's the case from this season. And he's being picked as a QB7. And this line alone just shows me that maybe he shouldn't be picked there. And just this offense as a whole kind of speaks 
to him not being as good of a quarterback as where he's being drafted, especially with guys like Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston behind him who could easily throw more touchdowns than him and are probably in better, more high-powered offenses through the passing game. Yeah, I can't I, I'm I'm shocked that he's still being picked within like the top ten fantasy quarterbacks, to be honest. This is something this is like a, a drum I've been fucking beating on for two basically since, you know, when that when this little thing happened. Like his over under is forty three fifty. He has he hasn't topped that either of the last two years. Um it was forty three thirty eight two years ago. It was three thousand nine hundred ninety two last year. I'll bet he missed one game, but the, he I don't think he was topping three hundred fifty passing yards, most likely. Um, and you just look at what this team wants to do. They want to keep Breeze's old ass like on the field, man, because that's the only way they're getting to the Super Bowl. You keep the ball in the running back's hands, which is why they signed Latavius Murray. They're going to use him on the ground a lot. They pass the ball to the running backs at a higher rate than anyone over the last two years combined. It's like almost 30% at this point. They don't take shots downfield, which is a reason why I think Michael Thomas's ceiling is not as high as a lot of people want it to be, given you know be- between his ceiling and where his talent actually is. Is, uh, is a little far of a stretch. And uh, the way I look at it is just like Breeze just doesn't have a high ceiling. Will he pass 4350 passing yards? It's possible. Um, I'm not going to say this is a lock one way or another, but I think uh, for fantasy purposes, you know, you, we, just, we just know what this team wants to do when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. It's short passes. It's quick passes. It's keep him upright. Don't let him take hits. And it's run the ball, you know, wear down the opponents and, and win that way. And we've seen them, you know, last year they did – end up in a few shootouts but they also had games where they didn't need to score you know 30 points in order to win and that's not the typical Saints offense that you have seen the last few years right maybe they are more comfortable taking a, a ground and pound approach and letting their defense really step up and win games for them so Breeze is just definitely I mean he's in this similar kind of realm of of guys like uh a Russell Wilson where they're so fucking good at being a real life quarterback but you have to separate the two because you can only look at statistics when you're talking about fantasy and the volume, I just don't think is going to be there for those types of guys. So I, I kind of fade them out of the top 10 and I push guys with higher upside, especially rushing upside, like the cams and the Kyler Murray's uh, above those kind of guys. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to be like a game manager in the sense that he's not a good quarterback, but I think that's going to be more of his role this year because you don't pay Latavius Murray to have him get like five carries a game. Right. You could have had Javoris Allen do that for you. who's already on the roster right now. So I think the fact that they have Alvin Kamara, they have Latavius Murray, and their defense is getting a lot better than it was last year because they were kind of wishy-washy. I think that his volume is not going to be as high as people would expect. And the fact that he's going as QB7, like straight up, him or Dak Prescott, who do you feel more comfortable in? Don't even like consider the ADP. Like who would you rather have on your fantasy team? Uh, that's actually really fucking close. Um, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Dak there. Yeah, he's going 53 picks later, pick 131. Drew Brees is 78. Yeah, value, it's not even close. I it, it's it, I think just straight up, it's really, really close. But I think Dak, uh, the rushing floor or the rushing ability that he gives you makes me kind of uh, lean towards him. Because I wonder, do they have Dak's over-under for passing yards on here? Um, let me see. 38.75 and a half. So Dak's over-under is 38.75 and a half. So it's like 500 less, but he's going to add a lot more. In the 500 less, yeah. But you look at the fact that he has ran for over the last three seasons, 305 yards, 357 yards, 282 yards. And, you know, when in fantasy, rushing yards are two and a half times more valuable than passing yards. So if you look at Breeze's over under 4350 or whatever passing yards, add on Dak Prescott's 3850 or whatever, plus, you know, 600 750 basically passing yards based off of 
calculating it out from rushing yards. Like you're, you're looking at more statistics. Plus, Dak has gone for six rushing touchdowns each of the last three years, and that's just boosted on. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it might seem like a statistical stretch in a sense, but I don't, I don't think it is. So I, I kind of like Dak here more than Breeze. Yeah, at this ADP, I just don't think there's a reason you should take Breeze or even in like best ball drafts when you try to stack. I don't think it's even worth trying to stack him and Michael Thomas unless they both fall to you. I wouldn't reach for that stack at all. And in seasonal leagues, he's not a quarterback that I'm going to trust this year other than being like my QB2 in a super flex and you can't get him at that value right now. Yeah, um, I'm with you. It's it's an interesting year for like these older quarterbacks that I, th- I think it's like a make or break year, at least for fantasy purposes for a lot of them. And we saw it with like Brady last year in a sense. Um, and we're going to see it with Breeze this year. I think we're going to know because, you know, with Russell Wilson – you want to believe that they're going to be more pass heavy, but what, like, why should we really believe it? They lost Doug Baldwin. All they did was really add DK Metcalf and they added like six round wide receivers. So it's like the offensive coordinator is still there. So you could kind of pound that narrative into your head. Like, Oh, you know, they drafted DK Metcalf. So this whole offense is going to change. But like at the end of the day, Russell Wilson threw the ball like 400 fucking times last year. How, how valuable is that? So I think we're going to see, we're going to have uh, a lot more blanks filled in come the end of the season on like how we should really project quarterbacks into the future yeah I think there's gonna be a ton of elite quarterbacks in real life with low volume and then a bunch of like mid-tier quarterbacks like Jameis Winston who are going to have high volume and we're going to see at the end of the year how that stacks up whether efficiency trumps talent or efficiency trumps volume fuck I'm excited for the season man I feel like I can't I hate doing these videos I hate doing these videos because then I look at the bottom right and it tells me the date and it seems like it just gets like putting pushed a week back, and I just think the year is so far away. Hey man, training camp, training camp is here, and Philip Lindsay <laughs> took the first handoff. Apparently, Philip Lindsay took the first handoff. Royce Freeman off the draft board. Yeah. Was short drafting of, of the Freeman God. <laughs> training camp is here, and Melvin Gordon isn't. So I'm not. I'm in a sunken place right now. I'm about to play some Marvin's room and head out of here. Hell yeah! I don't want to fucking disconnect. If you're gonna throw on Marvin's room. <laughs> I'm, in need, I'm in need of a good cry. Yeah, we're going to have a little copyright strike at, like, the 58-minute mark. Now they, they've taken down my videos before for using Drake in, the, <laughs> in, like, the credits or something. That was when they were, like, very serious about copyright strikes. At one point, I was at two, and if I got a third one, they would have taken my channel down. So I was like, I'm sorry, Drake. I'm sorry, Marvin. <laughs> I'm going to have to go earn your fucking streams elsewhere. That's all we got for the video today. If you enjoyed, make sure you hit that thumbs up. Make sure you are following both of us on the Twitter world. If you want the Big Dog Draft Guide, which is everything you need for your season, sleepers, rankings, busts, do not drafts, bunch of exclusive stuff, head over to BigDogsDraftGuide.com and go grab that right now. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Every Tuesday, Noah will be joining me for one of these videos, but we're putting out content five days a week, 5 a.m. Eastern time. I'm sick of you West Coast motherfuckers being like, why are you releasing these videos so late? It's 5 a.m. Eastern time every day. We're up here at 5 a.m. at the HQ. That's fucking a huge lie. I was up at like 9.30 today, but the videos are queued up for 5 a.m. So it's not West Coast time. It's just early, early East Coast time. That's all we got today. I love you. We're out. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.